The opinions expressed on the Rape Declaration Forum radio program by the guests and call-in listeners are solely the opinions of the original source who expressed them. They do not necessarily represent the opinions of RDF, the B Network, WBAI, or its affiliates. This is an uncomfortable but compelling and absolutely necessary program. Serious content, audience discretion is advised. Rape Declaration Forum Radio Program is a virtual safe space for survivors of rape, sexual, and domestic abuse to share their stories, challenges, and triumphs. We are a live call-in show. Our number is 321-445-1488. Our Skype address is The B Network. That's T-H-E-B-E-E-N-E-T-W-O-R-K. RDF hosts are... Producer, editor, multimedia news reporter for the BBC Radio, Radio France, and WBAI New York, Rebecca Miles. And rape survivor, thriver of life, author, holistic trauma counselor, Reverend Jay Grace. If after listening to the show you feel it triggered some issues and you need to speak to someone, you can call the 24-hour confidential hotline, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, 1-800-656-HOPE. If you are interested in counseling with holistic trauma counselor, Reverend Jay Grace, or if you are a survivor or an advocate and would like to be a guest, email us at rdfradio at yahoo.com or check our Facebook, RDF Radio. Who listens to survivors? RDF does. And good evening. It's the third Thursday of the month. It's the Rape Declaration Forum, and I'm the host, Rebecca Miles. Welcome to tonight's show. This is the Rape Declaration Forum. Welcome. My co-host on the show is Jay Grace. She's a counselor. She was my first guest on the show and has co-hosted the show with me ever since. I think it's been seven years now. And she'll be with us uh, by phone shortly. She's moved to Florida in the meantime. Tonight, we'll be discussing again rape in the military. Uh, It comes at a time when the U.S. Congress is discussing two bills about how to deal with an estimated 26,000 cases of sexual assault a year. Estimates are the figures are much higher, and the highest numbers are for male-on-male rape. A new documentary has been released, Justice Denied. Uh, We will have the documentary producer on our show tonight, Jerry Lynn Matthews, and her husband, Michael Matthews, who told us on the show last month about his own own experiences with rape in the military. Uh, So I'd um, like to get our guests onto the show shortly. That would be Jerry Matthews and Michael Matthews and Jay Grace. Um, The reason we're doing this topic again, as I said, is because these bills are under intense discussion. There's a lot being talked about in newspapers. The New York Times did a... A, uh, a blog post this just this week, but the main focus of the post was on the rape of women in the military, whereas the numbers are, seem to be higher for men, according at least to this, this documentary that's uh, just been released and which is why we're bringing back the guest for the show today. Um, the, the, the two bills, as I say, are under discussion 
Um, some are passing through co committee. There was a Claire McCaskill's bill was backed by the Armed Services Chairman Carl Levine and passed committee 17, 17 to 9. Um, these bills while on discussion, we'll also come to the fore again with the National Defense Authorization Act, which is likely to reach the Senate floor in September. And we have our guest tonight. Hello, welcome to the show. Uh, Jerry Lynn Matthews, hello. Yes, hi, Rebecca, how are you? I'm very well. Michael Matthews, are you there? Yes, I'm here also. Welcome back. You Thank you very much. And Jay, are you there? <laughs> Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I just gave a short introduction, and Jerry and Michael, thank you for returning. I explained that the reason we're having you back on the show is because there's a lot of intense discussion going on right now with these two bills that are going through co committees and um, up for discussion. The National Defense Authorization Act is due to come to the Senate floor in September. Um, and the reason we kept brought you back is because you had mentioned to me, Jerry, that there's been a lot of articles. I was just mentioning that there was a piece that appeared in the New York Times this week, but it emphasized more the rape of women in the military as opposed to men, which is why I wanted to talk about your documentary again, which brings another side to this whole issue. Um, but, Jerry, you had also mentioned that there's, there was an article that had a, that was changing the debate in a different direction, and perhaps we could start with that, what the article was, and and how it coincides with what these bills would do. Yes, um, my husband, Michael Matthews, will speak to that. And uh, also on, um, at, in the audience this evening is Michael L. Miller, who is our director. Um, go ahead. Well, you know, the, 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 the different bills, uh, we have uh, Senator Gildebrandt's bill, which is, they call it NJIA, and... Uh, there's a Senator McCaskill's trying to get a bill together, and um, Congresswoman Spears has a bill called the Stop Act. All the other bills, except for the Stop Act, has uh, one major flaw, is they have no civilian oversight to them. And we're looking for uh, a, a bill, the Stop Act, which is uh, the bill we're supporting at this time. But I, I, I thought that McCaskill's bill did have some clause about civilian review of cases, that, that the military brass wasn't no. declined to prosecute. No. You see, they, the military can do what they want. They you can't take it out of the military, and they'll always find a way around things. Her bill doesn't give them, uh, doesn't require civilian oversight. It requires civilian um, civilian civilian advisors, and just like advice, they don't have to take it. Uh, they, uh, civilian oversight is where they tell them they have to do it. It comes from con uh, congressional and Senate overseers. I see. So, J Jerry, you, you had mentioned there was an article that had got a lot of people upset in the MST community because of the implication that, particularly in the case of male on male rape, that... that um, this, this might be skewed in a direction to imply that it was, there was, this was a gay, a gay act of, 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 that this had homosexual implications. Yeah, they took, uh, they, right, this uh, right-wing news article took uh, uh, President Obama's statement and, and, and twisted it, and they says, well, uh, 
Obama's going to crack down on the homosexual perpetrators. Um, and <laughs> actually, 98% of the perpetrators are heterosexuals. Okay, uh, those, those are DOD's numbers. I mean, uh, there's a lot of problems. We have uh, one person uh, out there who uh, speaks before Congress and the Senate, and he just has to uh, keep pushing the fact that he's gay, which is not an issue, but it's an issue when he doesn't represent the entire community. And it, it is not about sexual orientation. It's, it's about rape, and it's about human rights, and we try to keep pushing our gender in that in that realm and not confusing the issue, which a lot of people don't understand, but they are confusing the issue when they speak. Yes. So the this. I would imagine that. For, uh, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Sort of mention something. Um, I would imagine that people who read this article, who who are survivors, and, and would be apprehensive and in, in connecting with themselves if they have issues, and they would probably not want to report it even more. So it's just like adding fuel to the fire and preventing survivors to get the okay. help they need. Yes, we have a uh, we have a person on the line right now, um, uh, Jeremiah. He was who's also a, a, an MSD advocate and a victim, and he can attest to that if you'd like. Mm-hmm. Sure. Welcome, Jeremiah. Thank you. Uh, you know, you guys are talking about the, you know, what survivors feel like when they, um, when you hear this person or these people that are talking about the, you know, pushing more or less a homosexual agenda. And again, I'm not, I'm not bashing that sexual orientation at all. Uh, it's just not taking into account of heterosexual men. And it really hits me hard because my perpetrator was a homosexual. Um, so you could imagine how, how, uh, how I feel when I hear things like that and saying that they speak for, uh, when this person says, you know, they speak for all male survivors. Well, I'm sorry, but no, he does not speak for all male survivors. You know, I'm a heterosexual male. Uh, you know, not, I, again, I, I can't reiterate how much that I don't have an issue with the homosexual sexuality at all. Uh, it's just the fact they've got to take into account that I was raped by a homosexual. So obviously that's going to be triggering it's going to be causing emotional things with me. Uh, and at this point, they, some people have expressed that they really don't care. Yeah. When, when this, this happened to you, did you report at all? I did. And, and what? My what? perpetrator, after he, it was reported, my perpetrator was actually caught emitting on tape, um, on wiretaps, that uh, what he did to me um, even though the military justice system had that evidence uh, in six counts of, uh, you know, different sexual assault charges, uh, he was only charged with one to two, finally, they found him guilty of. Um, took his 23 years of service into account, more or less says, hey, you know, uh, well, you had 23 years of good service, uh, so we're going we're gonna to look at that. We're not going to look at this one bad deed. And uh, they more or less just gave him a bad conduct discharge and booted him out of the military, uh, no jail time, even though he was facing life in prison. Yeah. Um, and just to show how much the military justice system failed me, uh, the fact of that, you know, my perpetrator chewed off all the skin off his fingers so he couldn't be fingerprinted. NCIS told him that he was ordered to be registered as a sex offender and be fingerprinted. 
Um, they eventually got fingerprints, but, you know, obviously they ain't worth nothing if he chewed all the skin off his fingertips. Mm. Um, they said, you know, you have to register as a sex offender. He bluntly told them, no, I don't. Turned around, walked out the door, and to this day, they still have no idea where my perpetrator is, even though he's supposed to be federally registered as a sex offender. Yes. And, and Jeremiah, did you participate in the documentary that, that Jerry and Michael and Michael Miller? I did. Yes. So you were one of the people that, and, and how was that? Was that the first time? I mean, you've, you've had, you, this, the military did deal, you went to trial and there was a prosecution, but have you been very outspoken about what happened to you and how was the experience of participating in the documentary? The experience in the documentary uh, was fantastic. Uh, it, it's got a great, uh, it had a great um, film crew, uh, meaning that, you know, it had a great producer and director and co-director and uh, person that came up with the concept, you know, um, you know, Jerry Lynn and Mike Miller and Michael Matthews that, uh, um, you know, they've been very supportive. Um, so, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't hard. I mean, what, I mean, during some parts of it when I have to recount things, it's hard because, you know, I'm talking about things that's happened over a course of years that the way either I've been treated because of my rape, either, uh, due to, uh, military members or, uh, veterans or family members, um, you know, stigmatizations and, uh, you know, being ostracized from th certain things. I mean, there, it, it's, it was hard, but, you know, it, I knew what the end goal was, and that was to, to get the word out there to other survivors that, you know, you're not alone. Right. Now, for, for listeners, the, the, the documentary we're talking about is called Justice Dem Dem Denied, and it's about male rape within the U.S. Armed Forces. And it had its debut at the Albuquerque Film and Media Experience in June. Um, the filmmakers are hope the documentary filmmakers are hoping to have um, um, a showing in New York. Um, and perhaps Michael Miller, you could you could talk about what what you're trying to do with the documentary. Sure, uh, we have. Uh right now an immediate goal of trying to get it screened in both Los Angeles and New York for a full week showing two times a day uh, to get it qualified for possible Oscar nomination. Now, we don't know whether it would um, qualify, but if we can get it qualified through those channels and through this uh, program, it will get uh, a higher visibility and, and get us opportunities to show it in many, many more venues around the country. We've already got some um, versions of it that we have uh, in the hands of some congressional rel uh, um, representatives, and uh, ultimately, we are looking to change some laws so that this gets dealt with and the guys and, and women who are still in the military and, and will be for you know, many, many years to come don't have to deal with this anymore. Uh, that's, that's the ultimate goal. And then, of course, uh, as, as uh, Jeremiah said, we want the uh, folks out there who are um, victims who have not reported yet to come forward and tell their story and get some help, because the sooner they get some help, the better their lives will be in the long run. Um, the the uh, medical people say that the, uh, if they can get help within a year, 
they stand a much better chance of leaving, leading a reasonably normal life than if they wait 10, 20, 30 years, like uh, Michael did, to report it. So there are a lot of uh, things we're trying to accomplish with this. The immediate thing is to try to get these major showings in, in New York and in Los Angeles. We've got a, a good arrangement with a, a theater group who's willing to do that for us, but that takes about $12,000 that we are in the process of trying to locate. So, yes. yes. Uh, that's what we're doing at the moment. Right. And I just... Anyone who might want to donate or help, how would they be able to um, connect with you? Well, there's a way to do that on our website, justicedeniedmovie.com. Uh, justicedeniedmovie.com. And if, if they want to hear more about uh, what's going on with both the, uh, the issue itself and the film, that's the place to do it. Uh, and there's also a way then to uh, donate if they choose to do so or to volunteer whatever help they can. They can send us um, email through that uh, source and we'll be in contact with them and arrange to uh, put them to work however we can. Um, and what of personally did attract you to this project? Why um, did you decide to direct this film and be part of this? Well, I've been, I've been uh, doing movies for quite some time. I'm an actor and a producer um, back in the early 70s. I was a broadcast journalist um, writing um, radio documentaries, basically, and, and reporting for the Associated Press. And uh, somehow or another, even as a uh, Vietnam veteran, I had completely missed this issue. And uh, Michael and Jerry Lynn and I have known each other for some time. And so when they came to me with the idea, uh, I wasn't you know, highly excited about it at the moment, but uh, they invited me to their house. We sat out, and, and they told me about this issue. Two and a half hours later, we're making this movie, mm. um, you know, bypassing a lot of the process of development that goes on with these things. It, it was important enough and immediate enough that we began uh, gathering the people who had volunteered to do uh, interviews, and I went to some of them. Some of them came to my studio here in Albuquerque. And, and that's well, when, really what, when, when, Jerry, when Jerry and Michael were telling you this, when they invited you over, um, how did you respond? Were you just as shocked as a lot of people are in listening and hearing what's going on? <laughs> well, yeah, I, you know, it, when, when you're producing uh, films and you know a lot of people, everybody's got an idea and they want to tell it to you. And so uh, as a producer, I, I try to be very selective about the kinds of product, uh, projects that I take on. So um, Michael and Jerry Lynn are, are friends, as I said, and have been for a while. And so when they called and said, hey, will you want to make a documentary, my immediate response in my head was, no, I don't. Mm -hmm. But they were friends, and so I said, sure, we'll, you know, I'll come talk about it. But in because of the uh, Numbers that, that Michael has very carefully uh, pulled apart from the, the uh, Department of Defense uh, report and the veterans reports and, and various things. He is the number guru. Um, it became very clear that it was a subject that was being ignored. The women are finally getting, and I mean finally, not um, to, the, uh, to the extent they should probably, but they're finally getting venues to speak out and be heard. 
And it's now time for the men to join that effort and have their voices added to this uh, cause so that something can be done to pass legislation that will bring an end to this, or at least make it safe for the victims to come forward and report without having to fear being re-victimized. Yes. Uh, can I just uh, thank you very much, Michael, for that. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple of numbers. 1-800-656-HOPE is if any of this information that you're hearing is triggering any history um, or response from, from listeners, that's um, the National Sexual Assault Hotline number that we frequently give out during this show, 1-800-656-HOPE. Um, the other is that if there are any listeners who'd like to ask questions of our guests, um, you can join the conference call because that's what they're on. Um, and the number to call is 513-386-000. And the participant code is 991852. So I'll say that again. It's 513-386-0000. And the participant access code is 991852. So if anybody would like to join um, us. Rebecca? Yes. This is Sherry Lynn. I also have the Veterans uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline as well, if you'd like that. Yes, please. If you could just say it, that would be great. That's, yeah. That's uh, 1-800-273-8255. 1-800-273-8255. Great. Thank you very much. And that's the Veterans Suicide Hotline. Thank you. Um, so if we also have... Um, yeah. Go ahead. Carry on. Uh, we also have um, uh, waiting um, on the line uh, several survivors, um, male and female, that have uh, graciously agreed to join us this evening, if anybody would like to, uh, to share. Yes, please. Well, you know, my name's Billy Capshaw, and uh, my uh, trauma happened, you know, in the 70s and, and uh, the early 80s. And, you know, back then, you we didn't have anywhere to go, no one to report it to. When you did report it, you know, they, they laughed it off. And the perpetrator that, uh, that did this to a couple of us, uh, another person on the line now, uh, he went on to become one of the worst people that, uh, you know, you could possibly ever meet. You know, but he, he kept this going with me for about 18 months, had total control, and, you know, they let it happen, and I begged and begged and begged. There was nothing there for me, nothing at all. And, you know, we, we have to get something in place so people can uh, actually uh, report this stuff have a response team there immediately so they can gather evidence, so they can gather, uh, so they can get, uh, uh, question people and things like that, uh, statements so they can get all the evidence they need, forensic and otherwise. You know, they need to get this thing going, the ball rolling, and you can't do that, you know, without changing, uh, some things. You know, you gotta, you gotta take it out of the chain of command because that circle, if you if you know how the military works, it continues to come back. It goes from the 
the uh, company level, to the battalion level, to the brigade level, uh, on back around, it comes right back to the company. You know, so, you know, your, your commander of the company or whatever, which I, I didn't even know who that was anyway. Uh, I don't even know if we had one. Now, Preston, I, I think he knew who he was. But uh, I was so uh, uh, sick and hurt and traumatized that I, I uh, really didn't know what to do. I was 17 years old, and I was getting really slammed. So, you know, it's taken, taken 26 years of therapy to even get me to the point to where, you know, that I can talk about it. And now, all something done, you know. I mean, so people can feel safe so they can get back into their lives. And this is something that never goes away. Never. And, you know, people that think it does, you know, are just fools. It's you're traumatized. It's not going to go away. And you got to try to make the best of it. But there are a lot of things that you can do to make the best of it, you know. So, you know, we need to stop it. What you were saying, um, like Michael was saying before, that's so important if you can get the help right away, um, it helps exactly. you your life a little bit more. You don't, you don't yeah. wait. I fortunately had a doctor that took me under his wing for 26 years, okay, treated me for free, out of the military, okay. I was not in a VA system at all when I was treated for this. My doctor treated me, okay, free of charge, civilian doctor, never charged me a dime. That's wonderful. That's very rare. And... And that is very rare, and I've had the best treatment, you know, and I know exactly what needs to be done. You know, we need to get that person removed from the stressor, okay, and that would be the, the perpetrator, you know, and removed from that place in time, that second, right then. And with the military discipline, the way they say it is, and the military, the, avail- uh, the military with the uh, availability of uh, personnel, you know, they should be able to do that, just like civilian life, or even better. And the collaboration of both would be a awesome uh, system, you know, if if they did it that and, and, you know, and I hope they do. I hope they pass the Jackie Spires bill. And, and Billy, what what do you, you you mentioned that it goes round in a loop from the com- company to the battalion and then round and round. It's a circle. It's a it's a terrible vicious circle. And if you do not break that circle, you're not getting anywhere. But what okay, it's like a blue wall or mob mentality. Right. Okay. And there's always reluctance to break the circle. What do you think it's going to take? We've got this documentary, you're speaking out Congress. 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 But Congress is going to have to break the circle. These commanders and all these people, these brass, they're not going to let this happen. They do not want to turn loose of that bone, you know. They don't want to do that. Well, if, you know, I, can, they, if I can expound on that, uh, Billy. Who's, who's speaking? Preston, by the way. Uh, uh, Preston? I'm, Thank I'm you, Preston. A, yes, I'm also um, a survivor. I'm a survivor of serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. I'll mention the name. I don't mind mentioning the name. Uh, he, Billy was my replacement. He got me first in 1979 in October. He drugged me out on a field exercise and raped me and assaulted me. And then Billy followed me, and he was awfully assaulted. Now, to expound on that, the reason why, if it's a, it doesn't matter if it's a captain, a major, a general, the reason why these commanders don't want to give control of this is, number one, if it's reported in their chain of command, it negatively uh, impacts their career. Right. Give me an example. If I report it to a captain, and that captain reports it to his colonel, 
that captain is not going to get promoted to major. In the military, we have a system where if you do not make rank in a certain amount of years, then you're discharged. So you can't stay in the Army, example, as a corporal for 20 years and retire. You can't stay in the Army as a sergeant for 20 years and retire. The same holds true for lower officers. So they feel that, it, oh, my God, if a female or a male reports it, that's going to keep me from getting promoted. So what they do is they sweep it under the rug. Right, right. That's where the problem is. That's where they need to take it away from the chain of command and have a civilian tribunal to have people prosecute this. In the, in, in the, I can tell you, they, they threw away rape kits. Right. In Germany, when Jeff was, was raped. Yeah, I, uh, I was, you know, uh, at one point I was in the, the, uh, the medical part, the dispensary. I was getting treated for a lot of wounds that I had. And, um, you know, I think I had a broken hip at the time. And I was checked, you know, for, uh, for rape and for presence of semen. They did the swab, the whole nine yards. And, uh, they, there was two other people right beside me that were males, uh, that were getting checked as well. And what they did with those kits, I got a call from a lady, I won't mention her name, but, uh, she was a nurse there at the time. And she told me that they threw them away, threw them in the trash. Mm. So, you know, that's, they were destroying that's exactly evidence. the mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that was in the that. 19, what, 70s, you said? Uh, I think that it was in 1980 when that actually happened. But, you know, I went in in the 70s was when it started. Uh, and, if, and, and if I may, um, this is Dorothy Mackey. Hello, Dorothy. In college, I was law enforcement. I was trained in law enforcement and worked with sheriffs and police before I went into the military. I actually even had a uh, class in rape crisis management. And I would go in to the military in the 1980s. From one end of my military career to the other as an officer and then as a commander, and I was in Germany for six years, I would not only witness but take testimony from criminal rapists as well as slavers because there was sexual slavery going on. And I would report it to everybody in the chain of command that I could, to the legal officers, up the chain of commands, to wing commanders, base commanders, anybody and everybody. We had women, as well as men, being forced into this criminal abuse. And the reason no one did anything about it is there were generals involved in the sexual slavery and the brutality that was being done because, in their words, rank has its privileges. Now, I witnessed this, I reported it, and I would be brutalized and witness the same brutalization to numerous men and women across the wings and different bases I was at who were victims of this. And it wasn't just in the Air Force or the Army. It was systematically networked, and they were organized criminal trauma networks. And often, sadly, it didn't even stop when you left the military honorably or not, whatever. There were death threats. There were brutalities. It was even denying people their right to work after the military, being attacked, threatened, having loved ones killed. Your entire life was totally disrupted. And I even witnessed the same being done to men and women in the VA 
by those who are in those systems to shut them down. And I was an officer. And there are seven laws of immunity that give these criminal enterprises full immunity while they're devastating good men and women. You know, the, the, this is Michael Matthews again. Uh, um, the reason the, the reason this goes on is because it's, it's the whole system. It's not just the commanders. I mean, it, it, it belongs to DOD, this problem. They don't want it out there because they don't want the black eye. They don't want the stigma that this is going on. They'd rather hide it than to correct it. And, and the reason they don't want it, the men's story coming out, 53% of, of, of all the rapes last year were done to men. Mm-hmm. And the reason they don't want this coming forward, us coming forward with this, is uh, it's going to hurt recruitment. I mean, what young men are wanting to join the military when they realize that there was uh, uh, 26,000 is the estimation, and that's 80% low by their own admission, and 14,000 of that were men. Yeah. Um, yeah that's very low numbers, I think. Very I low. think those are low well, numbers, that's too. Can I, I just That's need to, the error on the side of I just, I just need to do a station ID. You're listening to WBAI 99.5 FM in New York City. This is the Rape Declaration Forum. It's a monthly show. It's always on the third Thursday of the, the month. Um, I just want to introduce some of our guests. We've got my co-host is Jay Grace. Uh, we have on the line Jerry Matthews and Michael Matthews and Michael Miller. Jerry and Michael Miller have made a documentary the just called Justice Denied. It's about male rape within the U.S. Armed Forces, and it made its debut in Albuquerque in June of this year. We've been discussing legislation or bills that are being discussed in Congress at the moment. This followed congressional hearings in June. I wanted to ask, and we have a couple of people who participate in the documentary, Preston, Billy. Dorothy, I presume you're on the documentary. I wasn't clear. No, I'm not. You're, you're not. Um, no, I'm not. Okay. And, and Preston, I wanted to ask you, well, Preston or Billy or Dorothy, wh- whether you watch the congressional hearings and whether this um, point about how this affects military careers and the reluctance to report ever came up in any of the discussions. Well, there's a lot of uh, victims. This is Preston Davis again. There are a lot Thank of you, victims Preston. that were uh, wrongfully diagnosed that have PTSD from being raped, and what they do is they'll give them another diagnosis of anxiety. So therefore, when they apply for compensation, they're denied uh, their compensation. So it does definitely affect uh, going forward getting out. A lot of people are negatively discharged. You've got, I think they said there was 31,000 uh, people. They did pass a bill. They say we're going to open up some uh, cases of people that were wrong, wrongfully diagnosed. So it's a big yeah, thing. It's true. Yeah. yeah, but the question I wanted, the wanted I, what I wanted to know was in the congressional hearings that were held in June, whether this, 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 the, the, the need to cover up because it affects a captain's rank, it, their chance for military advancement in, in their career, whether that point was ever made by anybody. No, they're not going to. They're, they're not going to admit that. They're not going to come out and say that. Oh, you know, it negatively affects a captain's career mm-hmm. uh, if it's not reported. They'll never say that. Yeah. They'll never say that. Now they have a general. General Sinclair uh, was raping. He was a commander over, I believe, in Afghanistan. He was raping people that were under him. He's going up for court martial. But that 
that's a bone. They're throwing us a bone. Oh, well, look, we're, we're, we're going to court-martial a general, but they don't want to change the law. They don't want Jackie Spire's uh, law going into effect. Yes. You know, so it's just, it needs to be taken out of the, uh, the military uh, jurisdiction, without a doubt. Uh, this is um, Jenny McClendon, and I was at those hearings. Yes. Um, okay. And uh, the answer to your question is that the brass basically skirted those, those questions. When they were asked questions about whether they would report military rape, they all said yes. Mm. The brass all said this will never happen. And I, I believe the Commandant of the Marine Corps said that this wouldn't happen in his Marine Corps. And there were people in the audience who had been raped while they were in the Marine Corps. So they, they basically skirt the answer with whatever version of zero tolerance they can give you. Yes. Yeah. You know, this is Jerry Lynn. Um, you know, the, in addition to that, you know, the effects on national security, and to coin a phrase from uh, Patricia Stoddard, there's this weaponized diagnosing that is going on that's preventing people from getting their benefits, and since there are no checks and balances, um, and there is no civilian oversight mentioned in either bill, um, civilian advice is not civilian oversight. And they're very different things. And that's the thing that both bills um, are missing right now. Well, let's, let's now, go. The, uh, this is Michael Matthews again. The Stop Act itself by uh, Congresswoman Spears and uh, uh, Nancy Parrish of Todd, they all pushed this bill. This bill is called the Stop Act. It's H.R. 1593. And it does have civilian oversight, and it does have things to do for the, uh, for the victims, uh, to help the victims at that point. But the problem is that the Armed Services Committee last year squashed this bill. They won't let it to the floor for a vote, and they're doing the same thing this year. These other these senators come running out. Uh, Johnny come lately to the problems. Uh, uh, Congresswoman Spears has been working this for years, mm-hmm. and she has it. She has a very good bill. And nobody's willing to listen to it. These other bills are pacifying the military. They're pacifying. They're trying to pacify the victims. They're trying to pacify the general public. And it's and it's really disgusting. It needs to stop. We need to have a bill that is is actually doing solution focus. And that's what Congresswoman Spears' bill does. But they wouldn't even let it to the floor for a vote. I How see. is that righteous? When they wouldn't even let them, let them to vote on. Yeah. And one of the things that most people, this is Dorothy Mackey, one of the things that most people are not aware of concerning this this issue of rape of both honorably serving men and women in the service is the fact that when so many of them have continued to go up the chain of command, uh, to MAGCOM, JAGS, and others, that when they cannot get help even up to the President of the United States, there have actually been seven cases that have gone to the President of the United States through every level of this, this system. And only after they exhaust the President of the United States can they then get into the U.S. court systems. Those cases, six cases of rape abuse victims, have been systematically thrown out from ever getting into the federal courts and to the Supreme Court based on seven laws of immunity. Now, this is not a good setup when you're talking about men and women that are willing to give their lives for this country and who do not even have the chance to be safe, get healthy, safe, and to be able to report what they've seen. And as a captain and and a commander, when I reported these crimes, 
I was systematically brutalized repeatedly, repeatedly to shut me up. Dorothy, it's Jerry Lynn, and I'm, yes. I'm really sorry to hear of, of your pain, as I am everyone on this call. Um, something else people don't realize is that not only has military sexual trauma affected adults uh, in the armed forces, but it's also affected children of service members. The public doesn't know about that, and that is a real issue. Um, these things that are allowed to go on on our military installations and then out in our communities, if they're not addressed, they're starting to affect not just adults, but children as well. Can I, can I speak to that a little bit? Well, yeah. well just, um, just, this is... Just, just, just wait, wait a minute. I, I, I wanted to go back a bit. Jerry, you mentioned something about weaponized diagnosing by the military VA hospital. What is that? No, no, I didn't say necessarily only by the, the, the military VA hospital. Uh, I did, I didn't name a specific place, but it can, it can happen anywhere. It can happen in a private physician's office. It can happen at the VA. It can, it can happen any place. That's when someone is given a label, such as a personality disorder, bipolar disorder, right. and access to diagnosis, uh, when in reality what uh, the, the symptomatology really should be attributed to post-traumatic stress and not labeling someone with a personality disorder, number one, so they can't get their benefits, and number two, they have to carry around a label like that in their medical records. So that, that's my concern. I, I see it, but it's also a cover-up because the PTSD is related to a, a sexual assault or a rape, and oftentimes. Yes. Right. Right, and one of the sad things, again, Dorothy Mackey, is the fact that these victims of this crime are emotionally damaged. They're not mentally ill. Yes. They're crime victims. Yes. So they label them as mentally ill when they're just, well, when they're not just, but they're emotionally damaged. Yeah. It should be totally separated from this kind of stuff. Yes. And, and Dorothy, the seven laws of immunity that you mentioned operate on the federal level, what, what are those? Ferris, the Ferris Doctrine, the Bivens Doctrine, Intramilitary Immunity, Title Seven, U.S. Code 552A, Westfall Act, and the United States 1947 National Security Act. Right. Hey, Jenny McClendon, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm here. Uh, did you, can you, did you want to the issue of, to the, yes, please. Of, of children? Okay, um, I'm going to try and make this brief, which is not something that I'm good at. But a lot of times you have somebody who's a military perpetrator. When they get out of the military, they can go on to terrorize the community that they moved into. They can go on to terrorize their children and... In many cases, those children, because they're the children of a veteran, will go into the military. So you'll have a child of a veteran where that veteran was a predator going into the military and then being preyed upon. Well, that, that preyed upon uh, member of the military is now going to be discharged because they were abused as a child or they're, they're going to be given a weaponized diagnosis because they were abused as a child. And that gets the military completely off the hook from the rape that happened when that, when that veteran's child becomes a veteran themselves. Um, let me make this more clear. I am the child of a military rapist, okay? And then I went into the military, and while I stood watch, I was, I was, I was put on a mid-watch because I was put on a mid-watch with a known predator. 
And this sort of falls into the sexual slavery issue, too, although that's not exactly what was happening. I was told that because I hadn't given it up to some members of my um, division, that perhaps they set me up with a sexual predator to pay me back for not giving it up. So you can see how this becomes a vicious cycle. Yes. And now those men who, who attacked me while I was in the military, some of them are getting out of the military with full retirement benefits, with full VA benefits, meaning that they're treated the same VAs where a number of, of, of other survivors are being treated. We've got criminal perpetrators at the VA. We've got criminal perpetrators collecting a military paycheck, or um, I'm sorry, military retirement, and then we've got victims that are given absolutely nothing. Mm. I wrote an article a couple years ago, I think it was 2011, called The Green Light to Rape, where I sort of talk about that vicious cycle. And I hope I've made it clear, but I'm going to go ahead and defer to the next person. Well, um, this is Preston again. I want to say, first of all, Billy, you should get your your son out there. Um, I did the documentary last year. I came back from um, Albuquerque, drove back to Connecticut, and within two hours I got a phone call that my middle son was found dead. Coincident? What? I don't think so, but I can't prove it. No. On the other hand, Billy Capshaw's son, Kip Capshaw, is doing life in prison for two murders that he didn't commit in Arkansas. Now, I've got the uh, Midwest Innocence Project involved in it, and they took the case right off the bat. So it goes to show you the level that the government is willing to take to try to silence you. So my son is gone, and Billy's son is doing life in prison. Now, you know, you know, ironically, both of us are Jeffrey Dahmer survivors. Sorry, Preston. Preston. So read between the lines. Preston, I'm sorry to hear about your loss. I, I really am. Um, uh, I think we should let Billy talk for himself on that issue. Sure, right. like sure, he can. Well, you know, you know, uh, I don't think my son's guilty at all, but uh, I will go to another thing. You know, when when they found out who this person was that that did this to me, and you know, Preston, it, you know, they came to me, the suits, the CID, they questioned me the whole nine yards, and they said, uh, "Son, you're very lucky. You know, a uh, bullet only costs ten cents." I, you wow. know, I, I carry that around with me all the time. And, you know, it's it's a very scary thing to come out and say something like this. Yes. I mean, you know, even though, you know, uh, the compensation, they have took care of me. I mean, you know, they, they've done what they're supposed to do, you know, but I just can't let this lie like that. No. I can't, I can't, I can't let it go because, you know, I had such good treatment with my doctor, you know, and he, and he wanted me to continue putting this stuff out there. I got a website. We got everything up and running, you know, and everything. I've been doing this for a long time. And, you know, to educate people, to to try to, you know, to uh, to educate them on what to do, you know, uh, with all these. This uh, Jackie Spires Stop Act is the best thing I've ever seen. You know, that, that really says a lot. But, you know, if we, if someone's raped, you have to gather evidence. I want to make that perfectly clear. There has to be evidence. There has to be forensics evidence, forensic evidence. There has to be everything in place. You can't report this stuff 10 days later or whatever. There has to be something in place right that second. You know, that's what has to happen. It has to continue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Jerry Lynn. I, I just want to say something to, to your listeners. Yes. Sure. Um, if anyone out there is thinking about, you know, coming forward, 
Um, it's a good thing to do to come forward to someone that you feel comfortable with. Um, take that first step to not carry this around with you. Um, I think, you know, when you come out and see Justice Denied, you will hear from all 13 men that one of the most important steps is to come forward and talk to somebody. Yeah, yeah, don't be afraid, okay? I want to make that perfectly clear. My name is Billy Capsaw. Do not be afraid to say something. Because if you don't say something, this thing will continue. Okay? Please you, come you forward and say something. I'm not afraid. And you don't be afraid. Please don't be afraid. Billy, Thank you, Billy I have yes. a question for you. You mentioned you've been doing this for a while. Do you have a website or a contact information? Yeah, uh, my, my website is uh, survivingjeffreydahmer.com. Org. Okay, and uh, you can uh, respond on that website. You know, you can uh, uh, leave a comment or whatever, and it'll get back to me. Uh, I don't know if I should leave my, my phone number's on Facebook. I'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, and uh, uh, LinkedIn. Hello, Michael. Um, Go ahead. Yeah, I'd like to like to uh, insert something that we've discovered with the with the film, is that Jeffrey Dahmer is now, for all in in practical sense, two generations back, and a lot of people are listening to us refer to him right now, and and it's important I think that everybody understands that this Jeffrey yeah, Dahmer um, was a serial killer um, who was also um, cannibalistic and got out of the military because they did not listen to Billy. And that's what's happening with a lot of the perpetrators that we have in the military now, is they commit their crimes in the military, they get away with it, and then they're released on the civilian population in whatever community they're from. Right. And uh, if, if they would simply fix this situation where it's safe for a victim to report, then a lot of these perpetrators would be stopped before they go on to commit these other heinous crimes. Yes. Yeah. So, you, for, for, you, for those, like Mike, you have to remove. Listening. You have to remove that person from that to a safe place, right then, right there. You know, there has to be a way to do that, a mechanism to get the the uh, the victim away from the stressor and the perpetrator. Mm -hmm. They need to start the investigation. Immediately, like calling 911 or something like that. They have to get it started immediately or it's pointless, you know? I just so, want to relate you know, to, 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 for to listeners. I just wanted to relate yeah, to, you know, to, I, to, this, to listeners um, out there that I wanted to just say, um, this is not a military issue. This is something that affects all of us. Because sometimes people might think, oh, well, it's just this part of the population. This is affects all of us and like you all have mentioned before it is it's 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 a human issue you know we're and this needs to right. be taken care of it needs to be taken seriously and we all have the power to do something let people know contact your your your, your congress people and, and and let them know that you're appalled because from everything that i've heard today tonight it is appalling and i can't imagine anyone yeah, it's appalling, and it's also affecting national security, and also the suicide exactly. rates in our military yeah. are, are, are horrific. And many of the men in our film, in fact, I probably could say all, have attempted suicide on at least one, if not several occasions. 
soon. Mm-hmm. This this is really a horrific problem, and without civilian oversight, it's not going to change. If anybody in our in our group can speak to suicidality and those kind of effects, or or uh, national security, uh, Jeremiah, if you're out there, somebody jump in. Well, I I, t- I tell you, uh, Jerry Lynn, I took a 45 off of a guy that was my sergeant and pulled the trigger to my head. While I was in the military, he didn't even report it. He did not even report it, okay? So, you know, I, I, I thought about killing my... I tried to kill myself so many times. Mm. I was never successful at it. You know, and now I love life, okay? I love it. I want to make sure everybody knows that, you know... Life does go on, and you can get better, and you can get something done for yourself, you know. But like my perpetrator, I just want to throw this in, I'll be quiet. He he killed and raped before the military. He did it in the military, and he left the military. He continued for years and years and years, Mm. repeatedly. Um, folks, I'm I'm sorry. We're going to. It, yeah, the sh- is- I'm sorry. I'm going to have to bring the, the sh- Hello. I'm going to have to bring the sh- show to a close. And I'm sorry. The hour always goes incredibly fast. And uh, there was so much that came out tonight. We didn't even get too much into the sexual slavery problem. We barely touched on the ch- the children. Um, and th- there's obviously multiple. I'd, I'd like you to all come back again if we could do this again, because um, next month, of course, the bills will be debated. Uh, we want to see if we can get at least some mention of um, Jackie Spar's Stop the Stop Act, uh, see if we can sort of push for that kind of discussion to go on. Um, I just want to leave with a couple of things. The next show is in September on um, just trying to here, here we go um, September the 19th that's the third Thursday in the month uh, Jerry Lynn Matthews Michael Matthews thank you very much again for joining us tonight Michael Math- Miller thank you very much for joining us uh, thank you for having us B- Billy and, and Preston thank you Dorothy McKay thank you and I'm sorry thank you Jay, thank you, my co-host. If you want to find out more about the show, Jay, what's the uh, email address and Facebook page? Okay, for anyone that wants to contact us, you can go to rdfradio at yahoo.com. That's rdfradio at yahoo.com. And we're also on Facebook, which is rdfradio. And Jerry... Jerry, is there a, an, a, a good way to reach you if anybody wants to hear about the documentary and participate? Uh, yes, they can email me at Fleabid, F-L-E-A-B as in boy, I-D as in David, Fleabid at Hotmail.com, F-L-E-A-B-I-D at Hotmail.com. They can email me there. Great. Thank you, thank very- you everyone. Yes, for, thank you very much. And sharing. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you all. Good night. Good night. Good night. On behalf of Rebecca Miles, myself, Reverend Jay Grace, we want to remind you to join us every Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time here on the B Network. If you want immediate support, you should contact the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-HOPE. If you want to be a guest on our show or have any comments, please contact us at 321-445-1488 or Skype the B Network email rdfradio at yahoo.com 
or like us at Facebook, RDF Radio. RDF thanks you for sharing and listening. Good night.